So let's uh, let's open up First Corinthians chapter twelve, and this morning I'm going to be talking about an introduction to the gifts. Last week we talked about all the different gifts, but today this is uh, going to be a little little different. We're going to talk about um, a way of life and a lifestyle as a spirit filled church. How many know what it, what it's supposed to look like to be a spirit filled church? Like, God, what does a spirit-filled church look like? Is that one of them churches where they lift their hands and, and they shout and Pentecostal two-step and all that? Well, I want to know what a spirit... How many want to know what a spirit-filled church looks like? I want that's, what, that's what's burning in my heart today, so I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 12, and then we're going to pray. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren and sistren, I do not want you to be ignorant... Aren't you glad that God uses Apostle Paul to write to the church that he doesn't want us to be ignorant? Isn't that wonderful? That's just a good word right there. We don't have to be ignorant anymore. Come on, somebody. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these mute idols, however you were led. He's telling them, listen, I'm about to share with you what the gifts of the Spirit look like and what order looks like, but I want you, here's what Paul's saying, I want you to remember... Or don't forget where you came from. See, what Paul is doing is he's addressing a culture. Would you say culture? Culture. And he goes on and he says this in verse 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's saying the Spirit's work in your life will exalt Jesus as Lord and will manifest who he is. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you just pray with me right now? Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your precious people. Thank you, Lord, for the honor and the prayer and the prophetic words. And Lord, we just thank you that we are going from glory to glory, that there's breakthrough coming in everyone's life that is, that is here. How many agree with that? Would you just say amen right now? Just shout it out. And so, Lord, we come right now to your word. We come with anticipation I pray that you would break through, touch hearts, change lives, restore families, restore marriages. Lord, uh, bring revelation of who you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Come on, would you give God one more shout of praise? Come on, not a little one. Jesus, bless you. Now, before we read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we look at all the gifts of the Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love the divine enablement of the Spirit. But if we don't read it in context, we're going to miss something. And Paul, in these three verses, is saying, I want to address a culture. These are people, they're a community that are coming together, and they're, they're not getting it. And in 1 Corinthians 11, he talks about coming to the table of the Lord. And, and then he goes, and even before that, he talks about that there was division in the body. And so he's doing some housekeeping. He, the Apostle Paul is overseeing the church, and he's doing some housekeeping, and he wants to address a culture. And he begins to tell them, listen, when you come to the table of the Lord, uh, you know, the wealthy are cutting off the poor, and you guys aren't honoring each other. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, he goes on and he talks about the gifts, but he says, listen, you're a body... And you're individual members of one body. And, and you, you've got to get that every part of the body is significant. So I'm paraphrasing Paul's communication of the church. He says, listen, every part of the body is significant. Will you say significant? 
Paul says, I want you to give honor to the lesser parts of the body. And so Paul is dealing to, with the culture and he's saying, you've got to learn what spirit you're of. You've got to learn what Jesus looks like. You've got to learn what the spirit-filled life is. You've got to learn the purpose of the gifts. They were using the gifts to edify themselves. They're using the gifts to draw attention to themselves. It's called exhibitionism. And, and so they're, they're doing things out of order. And Paul is addressing a culture. And he's saying, when you come to the table of the Lord, you've You've, you've got to do it the right way. It's not just, it's not just eating uh, a, a piece of unleavened bread that is the body of Christ and drinking some wine or juice that is the blood of Jesus. You are proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. You are the body of Christ. This, in this scripture here, we see this, this profound metaphorical theological thing called the body of of Christ, that we are members of his literal body. It's incredible. But what does that mean? So if we are a spirit-filled people, what is the culture? What is a, now, what is a culture? A culture is a way of life, a lifestyle. Say lifestyle. Now, somebody needs some life to their style, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a way of life, a way of living. How many need a little life to their style? Come on, so I do. I know I need to go over to Burlington and get me some new clothes. But I'm not talking about your style and how you dress. I'm talking about the way that you live. So every church has a lifestyle. Every church has a culture. We have our own culture. Now, I want to talk about that word for a minute. I want to share with you, before we continue the message, all the different cultures that we know in Christianity. How many have come from uh, Catholicism? Raise your hand. Have you ever? Okay, I was raised Catholic. Um, I went to church. You've heard me say this probably, but I'm a keister Christian. I sat on my butt all year long except for Christmas and Easter. I was a keister Christian. I went to church twice a year, and, uh, and I didn't really know what church looked like. So I got saved when I was 17. I didn't know the Christian lingo. I didn't know you had to say amen and, you know, holla and Jesus, and I didn't know how to pray. My first time praying was a horrific train wreck. My first time praying out loud, I, I remember it so clear. We're sitting in a charismatic circle and everyone's praying and some, some of these old ladies can pray. Oh man, they will pray you like, I don't know. I was thinking of a saying, they'll pray you under a bus or something. I don't know. They're just, they, they know how to pray and they were praying and they're going around. I'm like, I gotta, I can't pray like these old ladies. Like they know what they're doing. And I'm sitting here thinking, I didn't know all the Christian lingo. I didn't know the culture. I didn't know the lifestyle. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know how to say amen at the right time. And, and sometimes that's a good thing, but I learned to adapt in the culture. And I remember when it got to be my turn to pray, it was like it all came out wrong. Everything I thought, I'm th- memorizing scripture. And it, it was like, it sounded something like this. My eyes are closed. My hands, I'm, I'm joining hands and the person squeezes my hand. It's my turn. I'm so nervous. My heart's beating. I'm like, Jesus, pray the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It sounded almost just like that. It was a train wreck. So I learned that every church had a way of life, a lifestyle, a style of life, a way of living, a way of doing things, a way of praying, a way of preaching, a way of speaking in tongues, a way of doing the gifts, a way of all, a way of loving what we call love, a way of evangelizing. And I've come to realize that there are a lot of different cultures. How many know that there are thousands of denominations, but there are labels on these nominations. So you have some that I know there are some here that are Bapticostal. You have some, I mean, there's charismatic Episcopal churches and you have all these different cultures. But let's talk about a few of these cultures. Let's, let's talk about the 
the seeker-friendly culture for a minute. Have you ever been to a seeker-friendly church? Raise your hand up if you have. Okay. I want some response here. So a seeker-friendly church looks kind of like this. Hi, welcome. Is this your first time here? Well, we just want to make sure that you're comfortable. And we want to make sure that you know that we care about you. And we love you. And God wants to turn your frown upside down, Vicky. And guess what? If it's your first time, we have a gift for you. Wait, we do that, don't we? If, if it's your first time, we have something special for you. Praise God. Seeker-friendly worship leader. Ready? This is a culture. He's up here. Welcome. Praise God. How many know that God is mighty to save? Can we join our hands together and sing about the mighty God that we serve? Yeah. And then it's usually a white guy and he does a single lip bite. You know what the single lip bite is, right? It's just single lip bite. Rock and roll, baby. That's the seeker-friendly worship leader. It's a culture. Guess what? You know what's wonderful about seeker-friendly churches? God uses them. He uses a donkey. God uses, was that a subliminal message? God, there's, there's a pure, there's a stream in every stream, and it's living water. God uses all the different cultures but I want to know what heaven's culture is. I want, I want pure waters. How many want pure waters? So I love that. And sometimes there's only, uh, there's certain people that can only engage God in an atmosphere or culture like that. So I'm thankful for that. And then you have other church cultures. Well, you have church cultures like the chosen frozen. You know, the church on the corner of the chosen first Baptist chosen. Fro- I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said Baptist. The first church of the chosen frozen. You know what that looks like, right? Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes for a word of prayer. This is going to be a real boring one. Let me just warn you right now. This is a boring display of church culture. So everything is somber. Everything is religious. We sing hymns. Hymnal books, page 22. I mean, no instruments, right? Forget the instruments. They're all of the devil. They're all satanic. So we only can lift. I mean, it's just, that's a church culture though. And guess what? Some people meet Jesus in those churches. Amen. Can I hear an amen to that? Then you have churches that I know there's a few here that are going to identify with this. You have like the Holy Ghost filled Pentecostal churches. You know what kind of church that's like, right? Where the pastor gets up and he's got a handkerchief because you know he's going to start sweating. You ain't feeling me, saints. Do we have anyone in here that likes that kind of a church culture? Come on. But it's a church culture. So you have a guy that's up there and he's preaching. Ah, and the, oh, let me get this. Pentecostal worship leader. He does this. Mm, it's the double lip bite. It's not the single lip bite. Totally different. It's the double lip bite. You guys know what the double lip bite is, right? Yeah. Rochelle's dad used to do it when he played the bass. He'd be up there and just, mm, right away. Just, I mean, the music and the worship and God is here. So I got, mm, yes, Lord, glory. Mm. Everyone do the double lip bite real quick. Come on. Mm. <laughs> If you only knew how you just looked. <laughs> so the pastor's preaching. You don't want to hear me preach like this because I'm going to tell you the truth. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you about somebody that can save anybody. He wants to save everybody. His name is Jesus. And let me tell you something. He's moving in this city. He's moving in Las Vegas. Oh, you guys like this, don't you? It's a church culture. He's moving, and let me tell you, Las Vegas is not Sin City. Ha, listen, pretty, it ain't Sin City. Ha, it is Revival City. Ha, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you know what I'm talking about, stand up and give God some praise. 
I got one over here that actually loves Jesus. All y'all can just go home. No, I'm just playing. That's a culture. I like that culture because it's fun. But guess what? It doesn't necessarily mean if we're not behaving a certain way and we're not shouting and hyped up, it doesn't mean God's not on it. It doesn't mean because God can be in the quiet times. Amen. But sometimes we confuse all the different cultures with what it means to be spirit-filled. Like, what does it mean? Paul is addressing a people, and he's asking them, do you, do you know where you came from? I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know that it's about revealing who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit in you is going to exalt Jesus as Lord. It's going to reveal who he is. There'll be no confusion. The Holy Spirit will make him plain to you. John chapter 14, Jesus says, the Spirit of God will make me plain to you. There'll be no confusion about it. Because when I read the scripture, when I look from Genesis to Revelation, I have to read it through the lens of Jesus. I can't just read one or two verses and come up with some teaching. Jesus is truth. Come on, somebody. When I read scripture, it leads me to the word. Jesus is the word of God. He is the logos, the rhema. He is the word, the living word of God. The scriptures are God breathed and they all point to Jesus. So there's all these different church cultures. You have the seeker friendly, praise God, welcome to our church. Then you have the chosen frozen, open your hymnal book. Then you have the Holy Ghost filled. I know some of you guys, I almost saw Lori get up and do a ooh glory just now. You guys know what the ooh glory is? Who wants to know what the ooh glory is? Okay, here, here's what it looks like. Level one, there's five levels. Level one, ooh glory. You gotta look at everything, right? Look at my face. Look. Level two, ooh glory. Like God's doing something like, you know, the word of the Lord. Ooh, glo- level three. Ooh, glory. Is that, is that all right? Level four. Ooh, glory. You want to see level five? Are you ready? You don't want to see level five. I'm not gonna... Want to see level five? Okay, okay, I'll do it. Ready? Got to stand up for this one. Level five. Ooh, glory. That's hard to do. Like the whole thing, I think I just strained something in my neck. They're all church cultures. I used to think that if, I mean, in a church culture like that, if sister so-and-so doesn't get up with the tambourine, then God ain't in the room. Or if brother so-and-so doesn't get up and give that same prophetic word he gives every single week, then God's not there. But that's not the case. It's a church culture. And we have to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. The gifts represented, the gifts are to edify. The gifts edify us in the love of God. Now, Paul talks about this. He says every part of the body is significant. So here's what I want to conclude to. Turn to Luke chapter 24. What does a spirit-filled church look like? What does it look like to be a gifted church? A church that functions with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you what it looks like. It looks like... It looks like a community that is always loving, always accepting, and always forgiving because it looks like love. The gift is love and the fruit is love. If the end-all goal is to manifest Jesus, do you know that's the purpose of the church? To be a dwelling place for God and to manifest Him. 
then the gifts that are active in our life and the Spirit's operation in our life exalts who He is and it manifests Him. And that's, that's what love looks like, acceptance, forgiveness. You know, I, I want to just focus on this one point here that Paul says, when you come to the Lord's table, stop cutting people off. Stop just honoring those that are highly esteemed in your midst, like the wealthy or those with a high social status. He says, you've got to honor everyone in the body. And, and here's, this is why Paul is saying, this is why there's divisions is because you're not valuing each other. Cause let me tell you something. You want unity? Just learn to value the other person. Learn to value every member of the body. You want unity in your marriage? Value your spouse. Oh, it's so simple. Set our hearts on, wow, God, you've blessed me so much. God, I'm so grateful and I esteem and I value and I honor the people that you've put into my life. I honor my spouse. I honor my parents. I honor my children. I bless them. And when we come into a community, what does the heavens culture look like? It looks like family and it looks like love and it looks like acceptance where everyone is welcome at God's table. We're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a moment, but I want you to make room at your table, which means you have to make room in your heart and you have to open your heart to people. And sometimes that means unlearn all the cultures that we've labeled as spirit-filled or we've labeled as right or we've labeled as balanced or we've labeled as doctrinally sound and say, God, I want to know what your culture is. I want to know what it looks like to be spirit-filled. What it looks like to be spirit-filled is you look like Jesus. You look like love. Luke chapter 24, you ready? I'm still out of breath from that Pentecostal culture display. This is one of my favorite stories where on the road to Emmaus, you have other church cultures that really honor the the scripture. Some elevate the scripture even uh, to the point where it's almost like it's elevated above God. Can I, can I say that? I mean, and we got to be really careful because, um, you know, theologically through the Reformation, they call it solo scriptor, scripture alone. I think a better way to look at it is prima scriptura. Like the, we still believe God reveals in the scriptures, there's authority in the scriptures. But I want to just share this with you that the scriptures are inspired by God, but they lead us to the word. The word is Jesus. Truth is a person. If the reading of diligent study of scripture doesn't lead us to Jesus, then we'll be religious just like the Pharisees and we could be looking at him right in the face and miss him. John chapter five, verse 39, Jesus said, you search the scriptures diligently thinking you'll have eternal life in them, but you don't realize they actually point to me. And these two guys in Luke 24, walking on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, the word, John 1, 14, the word became flesh. Jesus, God incarnate, and they don't even realize it's him. Guess what? They knew the scriptures well. So they're actually studying the scriptures, but they don't know the word. Wow. Well, I know the scripture. I know my word. You can study the scripture, the letter of the law, and not get life because you don't. It's not spirit breathed to you from an open heart, from a heart that maybe unlearns culture. Like we have definitions, we have labels, you know, that, oh, that's spirit-filled, oh, that's God. That's, you know, like uh, even in the, the, the cultures that we're talking about, there's this one, I ran into this one guy one time and all the Christian lingo and he's like, amen, and we're talking. And he's, I'm like, how you doing, bro? Oh, good, amen. 
And he just kept saying, amen. I'm like, I'm at a coffee shop waiting in church. You don't need to say amen. I'm not preaching. And he just kept saying, amen. I'm like, what? This is the amen dude. And I'm like, I haven't seen you in a while. He's like, amen. And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? He didn't want to see me. But all he's doing is regurgitating culture. Sometimes we define things and we don't even know what the amen is for. We define lo- what love looks like or what spirit filled. Well, spirit, oh, it's a spirit filled church. We speak in tongues. Like, well, that's just part of it. But a lot of what we do sometimes is just learn behavior from church cultures instead of learn behavior from the Son of God, the Word of God. And we could read a scripture on what love looks like, or we could read a scripture on the tongues or being spirit-filled or whatever, and we've already defined what it is when God says, I want to just start fresh. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he says, listen, don't forget where you came from. You were carried away with these mute idols And it's not like that anymore. You don't know what spirit you're of. Let me help you. Let me teach you. Amen. So these guys, that's a good point to say, amen, are walking with the son of God, the word glorified Jesus or the the resurrected Christ. And they're talking about the scripture and they don't even realize the word is right in front of them. And here's what I want to share with you. This is, this is so profound. When he was made evident, was not when they quoted some verse. It was not in a moment of prayer, but it was in another defining moment. And as we approach Thanksgiving, I pray that this is branded on your heart and you would open your heart to people and make sure that they're totally accepted because that's what a body of Christ looks like. Verse 29 of Luke 24, but they constrained him. So these two guys wanted Jesus to stay with them. They're like, no, please don't go. And so Jesus uh, stayed with them. And then the next verse in verse 30, it says, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, say table, he took bread, he blessed and broke it and he gave it to them. Verse 31, their eyes were opened and they knew him say knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us. See, if we ask God to open the scriptures to us, it shows us Jesus. When the Holy Spirit makes Jesus plain to us, Paul is saying no one can say Jesus is accursed by the spirit. But if the Spirit's work in your life, you'll say, Jesus is Lord. You will exalt him as Lord. You will reveal who he really is. Who he really is. Manifest him. That's our job as the church. And if I look at this, I see that they weren't in some, it wasn't just religious activity. Yeah, they were partaking of the Lord's Supper in one sense, but they weren't reading the Bible alone or they weren't, it wasn't like an altar call. It wasn't, it was in the simple moments of enjoying life. And Paul is saying, listen, slow down. You guys are coming together to eat together. You're not going to get this gift stuff. If you don't understand that everyone is welcome at Papa's table. And if your heart is enlarged to love people and open to love people, then guess what? This Thanksgiving, make room at your table because there's some people that are out in the cold culture of the world. There are some people, unfortunately, sometimes it's hotter outside than it is in the walls of the church. 
I don't ever want to be, and this we do well, saints, I don't ever want to be a church that operates in cold love. When someone walks in this door, they're going to know how much we love them. They're going to just, we're going to just wreck them with the love of God. That doesn't mean like give them 20,000 hugs. Sometimes people don't want hugs, okay? We've got to just love them though. They're going to feel welcome. They're going to know if your heart is really concerned about them. If you really want to pray for them, I'm telling you, Jesus broke bread and their eyes were open and he knew they knew him. I want to know him. I want to know him in the simple areas. I want to just break bread with God's people. I want to be a church. I want to be a culture that isn't just about the labels and the hype. If we are spirit filled, guess what? We will love people. If we are spirit filled, then we will, we will quickly sacrifice and bleed for someone else. If we are spirit filled, if we are gifted of God, guess what? The gift is love. I don't care if you speak in tongues all day long, which I do. But if you don't have love, it's a clanging symbol. Come on, somebody. You've got to rise up and say, God, what does love look like? I want to know what love looks like. And I want to be like these guys on the road. I think this is a proverbial look at the, the Christian journey. Your whole life we spend studying the scripture. We experience some of God, our hearts burning within us. And then one day we'll see him face to face. And we'll say, wow. That's what he looks like. Sometimes I wonder, like, we get burnt out. We do ministry and all this stuff. And, like, I want to know what Jesus looks like at the table. I want to know what he looks like in community. I want to know what he looks like when we're supposed to provide for one another. How do we evangelize, like, love explosion, just loving people? I want Jesus. I want, And if I want to label our church or label myself as a spirit-filled Christian, then I am labeling myself as someone who looks like Jesus, someone who walks in love, someone who's so willing to pour out their life, someone who's willing to come under, not over. Someone who's willing to, to step under and say, you can use, I, I mean, you could, I, I just want to serve you. I want to edify you. I want to build you up. None of the nine gifts, except for one part of one of the gifts was for self-edification. And it's the private prayer language. All of them for, were to build up the body. Paul is undoing their understanding of culture and saying, listen, it's not like it used to be. Let me teach you. Let me tell you that the Holy Spirit's work in your life will be evident by manifesting who Jesus really is. And he is love. He is light. He is truth. And he is the word. Amen. Can we partake of the Lord's Supper together? And I pray that as we do this in remembrance of the conquering death of Christ to redeem you, to set you free from all the power of the enemy to set you free from the curse. He took on sin, all the sin of the world once and for all. He shed his pure, spotless blood and he was crushed by our iniquities so that we could have relationship with God again. He was resurrected so that we could have a new creation, a new life. But I want to just encourage you right now that the Lord wants to open your eyes so that your heart will be open as you gaze into his face your heart will be open to people I want us to as a body maybe maybe even sometimes this happens like we just get so comfortable in our church culture that we don't allow love to stretch or expand us I feel like the Lord 
I, I feel like the Lord's breaking off the, these clicky things that happen. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I don't like clicks. I probably rebuke some of you if you've been in, if you've been clickish. I don't like it. Because if we represent Father God, we should be the most inclusive people because his heart is the most inclusive. The message of the gospel is all inclusive. Come on. God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself. I don't like clicks. If you, if you find yourself, maybe God's showing you, break it off. Invite someone new to your group so that you can love on them. And maybe it's the person that bugs you. That's why you need them because they're refining who you are. You need them in your life. I feel like sometimes we even, uh, you know, as a part of a church, we just get so used to the culture that we'll miss the whole reason. Not only do we come to church to meet with God and his presence, but maybe God wants us to encourage someone. Maybe God wants us to hug that person that is needy. You know, there's some people that just need love, that they've been broken. And guess what? Our hearts should be open to people that we make them feel totally accepted. And if our hearts are open, our tables are open. This Thanksgiving, if you're hosting a, a dinner, invite somebody to your table and be led by the spirit of God. Don't invite just some stranger, some crazy dude trying to pull out a knife or something. <laughs> But don't be fearful, but just invite. I mean, literally, maybe there's somebody that's, maybe it's a single mom or maybe invite, open your heart to people. We're going to be stepping into a season of great harvest and and there's breakthrough coming. There's a ripple effect. My wife and I are, the Lord is restoring things. And we just bought a house after we used to own five properties in a business and uh, we were entrepreneurs and through the, some of the stuff that happened, we lost everything. And the Lord's restoring. Guess what? Now we're taking land, which means the church is going to take land, which means you're going to take land, which means you're going to step into destiny and breakthrough and blessing. But guess what that means? When you have a house, it's so you can be a refuge for someone that's out in the cold. So warm your house up and get ready. Open your heart up. Open your heart to people. So many hurting people that we walk by. I do it all the time. I'm Pastor Zach. I mean, sometimes I don't want to deal with people. I'm tired, you know, like on a Monday or Tuesday, I'm like, I just want to go get my coffee and I want to go home. But then there's somebody that's broken. Guess what? God's grace is there. And if I just get God's heart for him, I don't get burned out. I want to never pass by broken people. And I pray that that heartbeat is in you, that if we, out of all the things I've said, get this, a spirit-filled culture is one that beats for humanity. The gift is love. Listen, there's been a lot of funerals lately of young men and women overdosing on drugs. I am so sick of the spirit of pharmacia taking out young people. And the moment that you or I see some of these young people on the streets or in a home or at a barbecue or in Starbucks or the grocery store, it might be the moment that God sets them free. You say, hey, you need to come to church. Hey, we have a CR on Friday night. It's a refuge. You can give up so you can rise up. God wants us to get his heart for people. I'm sick and tired of hearing about these things. 
I'm telling you, the harvest is plentiful, but guess what? It's the labors that God's concerned with. And if we just begin to get his heart in the simplicity of, listen, I'm filled with the spirit. That means I'm going to display who Jesus is. How many would say amen to that? God enlarge our hearts. In a moment, the ushers are going to dismiss you. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? When you come and get the cracker, the body of Christ and the juice, the blood of Jesus, I want you to hold on to it. I want you to just let your heart kind of just reverberate with what I'm sharing with you this morning and let him work on you. Maybe your heart's cold to certain people. Could be in your family. Could be people around you. Could be church family. Let the walls come down. Let God's love conquer and let him walk through your walls this morning. Let us learn of him. He is lowly and meek. He said, come if you're weary and heavy laden. You'll find rest for your souls. Matthew chapter 11 in the message, it says, come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, learn of me. I want to learn of you. I want to break bread with Jesus sitting at the table. And I want to know you so that I can reflect who you are to a broken world. Jesus name. Stay in an attitude of prayer and worship as the ushers dismiss each section to come. Serve yourself. Hold on to it. and We'll partake together in a moment. Thank you.